Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Myself, Mark Crossword, Lou Stagnant, and Scott Fawcett, as always. And today is going to be a fun one. We're talking about Lou's huge gains. 30 yards, I think he's claiming that he's gained with his tee shot. So we'll find out the secret to gaining yards. And is it something that you could even possibly think of doing? Or could it possibly wreck your golf game? Hey everybody, this is Lou. Quick message before we get to today's pod. Scott and I have just announced our first in-person scoring school. It's going to take place August 8th and 9th, 2021. It will be at Seaview Resort and Golf Club in Galloway, New Jersey, home of the LPGA ShopRite Classic. The school will include uh, accommodations, all meals, over nine hours of learning. Uh, You'll get to get out on the golf course to apply what you're learning. And you'll also get six months of access to the Decade app. For more information, go to playinglesson.com forward slash shop. Or you can go to my uh, Twitter, at Lou Stagner, and it'll be pinned at the top of my feed. The school will be limited to 36 players, so make sure you get over to the website and get signed up before all spots are gone. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we definitely look forward to seeing you out there. Right, Lou, how, lo- how long, how much did you gain? How much longer did you get? Are, are we saying you've gained 30 yards? Is that what yeah, we're saying over I a mean, period of time? Probably more. Um, probably I was thinking than, it had to be more based on your club yeah, head speed gains. Yeah, more more than that. My my club speed. So when I started this journey about a year and a half ago, a little bit more than a year and a half ago, my club speed was about 199 or was about 99. Wow. And, yeah, 199. Uh, <laughs> 99 miles an hour. Can I ask what that's measured on? What was that measured on out of interest? Uh, GC quad. Uh, on a quad? Cool. Yeah, on a quad. And um, I started down a journey of trying to gain more speed. It's something I talk about all the time, right? How important distance is, how important speed is. So I wanted to start eating my own dog food and (laughs) I put in the effort to try and get longer. And I didn't think I would be able to get as long as I have um, back before my daughter was born and before I was married, when I played a lot, I was about 108 roughly swing speed, somewhere in that range. So hang on, and you were 108 before about, you were one before yeah, you were 99. I was about 108 through let's call it like 2008. In 2008, after that, I didn't play much golf for a while. My my daughter was born in 2010, and uh, just no time, didn't play. Got older, got slower. Yeah. Uh, when I came back to it, so a year and a half ago, I was swinging 99 and had pretty good launch conditions, uh, hit up on it pretty good. So I was definitely maximizing distance, hit it higher on the face, which will take a little spin off. Uh, so it was, was still getting it out there okay, but not like I used to and wanted to get back up to 108. So started a program uh, and um, I pretty quickly got it up to like 106. I, I did super speed um, and started to work out, did super speed, got it up to 106 and then plateaued and and thought, hey, this is, you know, this is where it's going to end. And 
I was stuck at 106 for a few months uh, and then ended up meeting uh, another golf teacher, Clay Ballard. And Clay has a program on, uh, on gaining distance. And, and I went through that, um, not really expecting to, to gain any more. And I went from 106 and, you know, my playing speed it went up to like 113-ish, 114, somewhere in that range. And, and I hover, you know, 113 to 115 right now on a, on a decent swing. And, and I've gotten it a whole lot faster in training. So I, I never thought I'd give, get above 108. Um, but learning speed is definitely attainable for people. If I can do it, you know, I am not an Olympic athlete. You know, I, I don't, uh, I'm not working out 12, you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, I sit behind a desk all day and I put in some, you know, really solid effort on this, but you know, I didn't spend three or four hours a day trying to attain this. So if I can do it sitting behind a desk all day, there's a lot of people that can definitely do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's interesting. So you were 108 when you were active at exercising and an active golfer, yep. kind of is fair, isn't it? Yeah. Then you right. dropped because of, you know, life changed and you did get older and what have you. So you've kind of got, I mean, it would have been interesting to know how long it would have taken or how bit of, big of a battle it would have been to go from 108 to 113 in those days. Because I presume in the 108 days, you didn't do anything. It was all about trying to hit maybe positions in your swing or even just trying to hit fairways or, you know, it might, I don't know what it was, but it probably wasn't tailored around speed then, was it? No, not at all. I, prior to a year and a half ago, I'd never put any real effort into trying to gain speed. Um, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, I, I don't even know that there was really any programs or, you know, devices like we have yeah, today definitely. to That's try actually and an interesting speed. point. I, I hadn't really thought about that. I, I'm, I'm trying to think back to if there was anything. I, I don't know that there was. I, I know the long drivers were into it back then, but it, it was just not something that that I at least that I saw in my world too many people doing. No, I mean, there was a big, big period of coaching and what have you where it was almost discouraged. You could argue, you know, it was it was it was taught out of people for a long time. You know, it was. I always think at the moment we're in a time of unrestricted movement being celebrated and trying to be perfected for want of a better word in golf coaching, where there was a big period of golf, golf coaching and golf ethos and feelings where it was all about restricting movements, which obviously, I mean, 108 to 113 is not restricting, is it? I mean, what kind of changes did you see in your swing or was it purely just physical or was it mindset? Like what were the big breakthroughs? You know, I, I think it's just um, it's swinging with intention, like just trying to swing the club faster and having something to measure it. Right. I don't know that I would have been able to, to achieve as much as I did if, if I didn't measure what I was doing. And I had a PRGR, I have a sky track that I can use for ball speed for good strikes. And then occasionally I would get over to the, to the GC quad at, at my golf course and I would get on you know, a device that, that I knew would give me really good information. And trying to do this without having those devices, I think would be really challenging. So, you know, when you're going through and doing speed training and just swinging with intention and whatever your fastest speed happens to be, let's say it's 99, it, it's just simply trying to swing and swing faster than 99 every time you swing when you're doing speed training. And the other thing that I think was really important for me was when I was speed training, um, 
I would pause in between swings and I, I would wait a good 30 to 45 seconds in between swings and almost treat it like, uh, you know, like heavy leg day at the gym where I would do a set where a set would be one swing and then I would rest for 30 or 45 seconds and then I'd swing again so that I, that I wouldn't get exhausted from just swinging fast many, many times in a row. And then the other thing, which I think is really uh, hard, um, is at least for me, I saw more benefit actually swinging at a golf ball with a club, but it's really important. And this comes easy to me. Um, so this is good, but it's really important not to care where the ball hits on the face. Like, and so, you know, normally yeah, my guy. golf ball hits all over the face, so it doesn't really matter, but um, to not care. And, and I've actually, and we've talked about this before I've swung and I've missed speed training. And if you, if you've <laughs> never swung at a golf ball and missed, it's a very, very strange feeling. It's, it's like you, you've, it's like the bottom of the steps and you think there's another step there and it's not there and <laughs> your legs get all wonky and you almost fall over. That's what it felt like. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott, have you ever swung a miss? I don't think I can ever remember swinging a miss. I've gone under a chip. I've done that before in a tournament, you know, on leaves, like on no, with a driver and a ball on a tee. Have you ever no, swung I've, a miss? I've not swung a miss. I've swung a miss because the situation's ridiculous and I possibly should have took a drop. That's well, well I, I, in my I defense. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go ahead, I say, if, if I have, I was so drunk that I don't remember it because <laughs> yeah. of that. In, in my and I'm not defense. saying that hasn't potentially happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, in my, in my defense, I had just broken my personal speed record in that training session. And I had some, some, uh, you know, motivational music cranking and I was getting all worked up and I was trying to beat the record that I had just beaten. So I'm in there like Rocky Balboa, Balboa yeah, yeah. chasing chickens around in the garage. Trying to get up those steps in <laughs> Philly. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> uh, and I swung and missed and I definitely pulled something in my back and my neck. I yeah, think. a swing and a miss. It's not good, actually. A swing and a miss is jars. It's not, it, your body prepares for impact. It's not there and your body doesn't like it. Scott, have you ever dabbled in the realms of getting faster? I mean, I presume as a player, the standard you played uh, and how we've talked before, I don't think distance was ever one of your weaker sides, was it? No, it was definitely always my strong suit. And it's just interesting because so much of what I remember saying, like in the late nineties, early two thousand, when I was playing professionally is exactly what I would laugh at people for saying. Now I was already the longest. I, I mean, I, I hit it past everybody back then. And, you know, I played a 44 and a half inch driver. Every time I tried to play a longer one, I didn't like it. Cause I felt like I mishit it more. And it just, we didn't have launch monitors be like, well, you did, but it still went 15 or 20 yards further. And I just yeah. always had the mindset, well, I'm already longer than everyone. I don't need to be I'm good there as opposed to like, like Bryson. Well, being 40 past everyone is better than 10 past everyone. And it just totally whiff. But what's funny is, as you guys were chatting for the start, I just came over here and Googled Keith Clearwater because when you were saying, Mark, it was even looked, you know, not looked down upon, but it was definitely like getting strong was looked as, as a bad thing. And I just Googled Keith Clearwater fitness and an article from 1998 came up. 
And it's just hilarious because it's British Open champ, Justin Leonard, the premier hitting short guy on tour, yada, yada, yada. He started working out with a trainer at the beginning of last year. He's added 15 pounds of muscle to his 5'9 frame and gained at least that many yards. And this is where I think Lou's going to love it. At this year's Masters, in which he tied Woods for eights, Leonard hit six iron into the par five second. Oh, boom. <laughs> Justin Leonard. Justin Leonard. It's like Justin Leonard has wrecked the game then. It's not Bryce. He's Justin did it. Game. But, what's, <laughs> but what's funny is, is this would have been right around the time that the you know, when I went and bought on eBay the, the first, you know, great big Bertha driver and a solid core strata. And I've been saying, you know, for months, I can get a one and a half smash out of 25 year old equipment. And here's Justin Leonard hitting a six iron into number two back in yeah. 1998. I guarantee you that's that's with the first uh, the first solid core titleist golf ball. Um, and it's probably yeah. right when he switched away finally from the the wood wood to a metal wood. So he he's probably just literally connected with one and caught it on a, a, a one and a half smash at 114 or whatever his downwind was then old and, tees as well it's like yeah. it just wasn't ready for him was it uh, kind of but like i'm not a, sure they've moved that tee box back much I, i'm gonna yeah they have. they have they have i mean i, I might have, be wrong but, but i'm pretty sure they have it does i i'm pretty sure did it always go past the road for even in for in fact i mean i i think that tee and i might be totally wrong has gone a long two back yeah lou have you got anything on that I don't have anything handy on that. I'm not sure if, uh, how much the yardage has changed. I was under the impression the second did go back, but I might be wrong. So they Lou, said that it's 555 in that thing, and here's the Masters okay. tees at 575. I mean, again, there's no road yeah. to go behind. Yeah, there's um, there is there's like a track. There's a road. There's a there is a paved road in front of the second tee. I'm pretty sure I've walked across it. It then goes back round. Anyway, we digress. We're now talking about the architecture layout of Augusta. Oh, yeah. Um, back to you, Lou, because I've got yeah. some questions with your gains. Because this is your night, Lou. I feel like this is your pod. Do you know what it's I mean? My, this it's is my coming out party. This is... <laughs> I got longer and I'm proud of it. Exactly. Um, did you play better through getting longer? That's an interesting question. Oh, yeah, what, yeah. What, what was going on? With, did it move your handicap? Did it shift the needle? Also, as well with that, a joint question to that is, did you um, did it reflect through onto other clubs or did you find it really hard to transition any speed onto other disciplines like a hybrid or a long iron or a seven iron or a nine iron, those kind of ideas? Oh, no, it was 100% through the entire bag. And so when I started that journey, again, you know, just coming out of a long hiatus of really not playing much golf through the, you know, the 2010 to 2016 ish. Uh, and when I did get back into it still, my daughter was still young at that point and, and not playing a lot and not practicing at all, not hitting that many golf balls. And, and so my handicap was in the nine, 10 range when I started this and very quickly knocked five strokes off my handicap just from nothing other than adding that distance. Yeah, but did and, you knock five? Sorry to stop you there. Did you knock five shots off your handicap from the 108 days? Um, I'm, st I'm still, um, I was scratch back in those days. So, I'm, so I'm, you uh, were better at 108 than you are at 113. Well, when I was 108, one, I was a lot younger. Two, I, I literally played six days a week and practiced 20 hours a week. Um, yeah. And so I, I played and practiced a significant amount when I was, uh, when I was younger and single, a significant amount. And, and I just 
don't put in anywhere near that kind of time anymore. And so overnight, um, I did, I did this transition over the winter time here in the Northeast. And, um, so I, I went into winter time, uh, swinging 99 and, and came out on the other side and, and swinging, you know, 113 ish. And very quickly I was five shots better, like instantly day one on the golf course. When I came, came back out in the springtime, I was five shots better. Yeah, absolutely. But the other thing to bear in mind with that as well is obviously the speed training is still swing training, isn't it? As in to get those speeds from 99 up to 113, regardless if you're doing that on the course or not, you are actually practicing moving, swinging, and you were hitting balls as well, weren't you? So that there was practice happening, I guess. Yeah, definitely practice happening for sure, but still nowhere near what it was back in my scratch days, a fraction of what it was back then. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Um, can you take it to the course as well? Like how much of your top end can you take the court, take to the course? Oh yeah. I mean, that's my playing speed on the course. What is your top end? Um, I've hit, um, 130, uh, on swing speed on my PRGR, but I've been over 190 ball speed a few times on sky. Really? Yeah. I've gotten that's over insane, 190 three times, insane, man. but that is, that is, you know, that is swinging and speed training. I can't take that to the golf course. There's absolutely no, no way that is no, doing but it. Yeah. Yeah. That is the- swinging as hard as I possibly can. And just getting lucky to, you know, connect one smack dab in the middle of the face. Well, it's not getting lucky. I mean, I cannot get 190 ball speed. I can't. It doesn't matter how dumb I go at it. I can't get 190 ball speed. That's insane speed. Sir. Yeah, I would have definitely, definitely good. But I mean, that, that goes, uh, that ball can go way offline <laughs> if I try to take it up, put it into that gear. <laughs> Have you found the, the, I found the road on the second, Scott. It is there, just to digress back, but it's no, a long way forward. It. It's, just a, it's just a maintenance road, but the yeah, team's no, always no. been behind that. Yes, it has. I can see that. But you can see where they've cut it back more into the trees, I reckon, there. You can, I mean, I've stood on that tee. Yes, and I no, always it's, think it's, it looks inappropriately far back for where no, you walk off the first greed like it's there's the t oh no it isn't actually it's way back there Let's just um, i thought you were thinking some... of number five because number five they actually did move behind the road and rerouted yes. the road and bought yeah. all those houses and knocked yeah. them all down yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> built new gates new car parks and did listen i think we should blow everybody's mind and just quick quickly pivot and turn this into an architecture discussion yeah, yeah. what are the benefits of the redan template I have no idea what that means. <laughs> what, what does that even Come on. mean? What does that even mean? All right. We will not turn it into an architecture discussion. No, absolutely not. Into a ball speed discussion. What night ball speed's insane, Scott? I mean, you're not. Actually, aware, actually, but- you know what? I actually am going to turn this into a bit of a, an architecture discussion because I was having a conversation with a new PGA Tour. Uh, I don't know if we'd call him a client or not yet, but number one at uh, Kiowa Island, he was having a hard time understanding how like, dude, you just send driver there. There's 70 yards and the fairway super narrow. The target is literally the left rough line. He's like, I'm going to hit half my shots in the left rough. You are, but three woods, clearly not the option. Two iron is going to put every shot 70 yards further back there. But interestingly, if you do hit driver and you do get it further up there, there is a bunker on the front left of the green but it doesn't go long enough into the green to actually take away the angle. Yes. Angle. If and when you hit it in the left rough, that's just a convenient byproduct. We're not trying to get that angle, 
But if you look at number one, the further you hit it up there, the more laterally you're coming into the green. And there's a couple of them out there where I actually think that you could place bunkers in a little bit better spot to, to reward certain aggressive lines. This would be one where they could have rewarded the aggressive line towards the fairway, you know, air quotes, aggressive line and, and, and made it harder on the, the bailout line in the rough. But number one's a perfect hole where I don't think they put the bunker in quite the right place. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because, Lou, for you, gaining this extra distance, did you find that you, I mean, you must have been playing the course quite differently. You must have been looking at different parts of the courses. And oh, then in turn so as well, different. did, did yeah. you also see then different hazards? Because did your dispersion change? Were you able to have, a, you know, was there a bigger miss in the bag or was it very manageable? Um, I mean, still the same big miss was in the bag. Um, whether At 99 I, I, or 113? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. still, you know, same miss was in the bag. I could still miss it pretty far offline at 99 um, as I do at 113. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I, I You're I not miss... fussy. No, I'm not fussy. So I don't think my dispersion got that much bigger. Uh, but the course definitely was very different from from what I was used to. And I was hitting it in spots I'd never hit it into before. And I, I took a lot of hazards out of play. There were some that I introduced yeah. into play that, uh, you know, that weren't there before, but I mean, I'll just say that it is, it's much easier to play a golf course when you hit it far 40 yards farther than you did. Um, yeah, it's, it's a completely different game. So that leads me on to the last question then for the normal golfer listening. This is the both of you. Like what, how much attention should your normal golfer, you know, I'm talking about your average golfer who plays once or twice a week in the odd competition, who wants to just play better, wants to break 80 a few more times or even 90 or even, you know, bust through 75 score lines, those kind of things. Um, you know, how much should they be trying to do what Lou's done? Because Lou's showing that it's very obtainable because I presume you did this all while you know, you gained from 99 to 113 with a very full-time job and a family and other commitments. Lou, you didn't, you know, you weren't, you were leading a normal life, I presume, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. Just so uh, put, putting in time when I could. Yeah, absolutely. Just so how much should a normal golfer think about this as a strategy for improving or or is it dangerous for them? You know, is it something that they might try and then it falls apart and then they spend a while trying to find, like golfers say, in inverted commas, their swing again? What, what are your thoughts? You go first, Scott. I want to hear from you. A lot. I mean, again, it's just it's just it's prioritizing where you're going to spend your time and prioritizing 30 minutes of effort two or three times a week towards getting stronger and getting faster is going to do more for your game than an extra 20 minutes of putting or whatever. I think the real key that people have to understand and what I was, I was starting to say earlier is people think that speed and injuries just go hand in hand. Golf and injuries go hand in hand. I mean, it's a, it's not a good sport on our body. Unfortunately, we're taking a metal stick and hitting it into the ground as hard as we can a few million times. It's not good on your joints. I've just had surgery and I'm eyeing another one already case in point, but a guy like Bryson, the, the, the first time that I've you know worked with Bryson and played with him in person, we, you know, he had this fairway finder in the big ball and we get out to like the fifth hole and I'm like, show me the big ball. And he just hits it 60 yards further. Yeah. And this is back in 2015, I think. 
And I'm like, dude, you can't leave that in the tank. And his response was, I just, I'm worried about hurting myself. And first of all, well, you need to get over that. But second of all, if you train correctly and do it correctly, you have built your body for that speed. There's just as good of a chance that Zach Blair, he's swinging just as hard as he can. His body is maxing out what it's capable of. There's no reason why that won't hurt himself any more than Bryson swinging super hard will hurt himself. They're both maxing out what their body can do. So removing that limiting belief or bias or whatever it is, I think is one of the most important things people can do. And there's just, I mean, the math is the math of distance is about as straightforward as you can get in any of this, you know, golf science, data, math, whatever you want to call it that we do is hitting it further is a huge advantage. Bryson, I posted a picture on Twitter last week. He had the longest drive on number five, which was the one hole that I was really interested to watch at Craig Ranch last week at the Nelson. And then he was the only guy to stop it within, I think he hit it to like 10 feet on, on five and everybody else that landed it on the green went long. And that's because he's hitting like an eight iron in a nine iron in whatever it was hitting it just through the roof. I mean, I was standing there watching the shot. It was unbelievable how high this shot he hit from 213 was. Yeah. And it's just like, yep, there's your advantage. Not only getting it down there, but then getting it straight up in the air. Now throw the into rough. Like just, it's such an edge. It's unbelievable. Lou, what are you pitfalls? Are there any for people? I mean, there's got to be some, isn't there? I mean, people can get longer and more erratic. Surely, I'm not saying they come hand in hand, but you know, people definitely golfers play in a state of panic, and going faster like just heightens that panic. Possibly, what do you think? Um, I, I think for some players, it, it, it might be a, a bad idea, but I, I think that is the exception and, and not the rule. I, I think everyone would benefit from getting stronger, getting more physically fit, adding distance to their game, doing it in an intelligent manner. There's a number of programs out there right now that are great that you can go through and, and you can learn and you can do this and apply this to your game. And it's a, it's a huge benefit to add distance as Scott talked about. And I think, you know, part of it too is the, the working out that I've added into, into this and going through and being intelligent about adding some fitness and more fitness to, you know, my weekly routines. Um, there's a lot of benefit in injury prevention. And, and so uh, that in and of itself is really beneficial. So adding, you know, a fitness routine, getting that injury prevention, uh, but, but, uh, putting more fitness into your life is going to get you stronger, which is going to help you swing the club faster, which is going to help you hit the ball longer, which is going to in turn make your scores drop. And, and so, you know, there is a lot of room for a lot of people to go through and, and do these kind of things. And I've had a number of buddies over the last year and a half that have kind of followed the same path that I followed and every single one of them added material distance to their game and they are a lot longer now than they used to be. And they are all, all a lot better now. If you can add 20 yards to your game and keep your dispersion similar, it can even get a, a, a bit worse. You're going to get better by a lot. You, you, you will see strokes come off your handicap. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a really good point that you're making there as well, which lots of people miss out on. I mean, and I've benefited from this, I think, is that in, in my quest to try and go faster, is that it actually becomes 
a better lifestyle. So I see it not even just for golf, like the benefits for golf are there and it's great and it's fun. And I think we'd all agree. It definitely adds a different layer layer of fun to golf, doesn't it? As in just trying to swing as fast as you can, like Lou's saying there, actually is just a fun thing to experiment with. Even if you don't end up taking it to the course, you run away from it. it it's just, it's like playing a nearest the pin with your mates or a putting competition with your mates. It, it's just another way to have fun while doing golf and not stressing out about score. But also I think it has massive benefits for your body and your life just generally. Like I feel better just in my normal day 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 to day life it, it doesn't always have to be just about golf because let's be fair let's let's name the average demographic of a golfer like it's male slightly overweight middle-aged a bit older i mean that is your demographic of i know it's a stereotype but that's where the net's going to be thrown isn't it so like getting a bit stronger and fitter might just help lots of parts of your life well, it's kind of the demographic of humans so yeah, well, I mean, it is the demographic of golf, isn't it, as well? I mean, because it's just generally that pattern of male, isn't it? But um, there's so many benefits. I think there's things to be, there's pitfalls in there as well. And also, I think what people sometimes miss in these conversations is that there are plenty of other ways to gain. So if getting longer doesn't interest you, that's cool. There are plenty of other low-hanging fruit that golfers are doing out on the course that they could do to improve. Um, and distance is just one part of it. Would, would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And going back to fun, there's nothing more fun than knocking it 25 yards past your buddies. Yeah, you like... that is a lot of fun. Like yeah. I, I've worn out some marks on my bicep from kissing my biceps after I'm knocking them <laughs> miles past where my buddies are ending up. So that is worth it right there. Absolutely there worth it just for that. On that bombshell, doesn't matter if you ever hit a ball in play again, as long as one of them goes 25 yards. So I have a question mates. for you, Mark. I know Go you've messed it. around with this a little bit. Um, yeah. um, so I've done super speed. I've done Clay Ballard's program. I like both. Um, I know you've messed around with the stack system. Yeah. Um, what, uh, you know, have you had an, uh, used it enough to to give any feedback on it? Yeah, well, I've got a video coming on it soon. I love the stack system. I love what it does. It's it's very clever. I love the measured practice. I love the way that basically my speed trainer, when it comes to swinging a weighted stick, is Sasha McKenzie, a person of great knowledge in our sport and in our kind of coaching worlds. Um, yeah, I like it. It's something that I would definitely be using daily. Where it gets complicated for me is I do swinging so because it's my job like so for instance today i filmed on a golf course and i hit shots at different speeds some of them had to be hit hard to try and illustrate points and i also hit shots inside on a launch monitor where i was trying to illustrate points and i was hitting hard as well so i actually had no energy left to say do the stack system today but if i wasn't working in golf like i would be using it every 48 hours, which is the program it sends me at the moment. So yeah, I, I, again, I agree with you, Lou. I, I, I don't think there's any excuses. There's plenty of systems out there to allow you to integrate this. And this is a key word that a golf pro said to me once. It's you've got to make it lifestyle. And that's the big thing I've done. It's become part of my lifestyle. Like if I am not doing a certain amount of press ups in a day, it doesn't, I don't feel right at the end of it. If I'm not doing a certain amount of work with my kettlebell, a week I don't feel like I've had a normal week and if I'm not doing a certain amount of hitting that being now at certain speeds 
if I was playing next week, I wouldn't in any way feel ready. So I've made it become part of my lifestyle, like brushing your teeth is. Uh, and that's the real win. When it's part of your lifestyle, I just see the success rate go up, up and up. When it's forced, when it's because you think you have to, I relate it to gyms. And what do everyone, what does, let's say, 80 to 90% of people do when they join a gym? They don't go, do they? Two or three goes and then they stop going. So it, the more you make it part of your lifestyle, I think... Um, it is something that gives it longevity, basically. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you brought up something a while ago. We, did, we didn't spend too much time on it, but how the mindset has changed. I started golfing in the early-ish 90s and really got into it pretty quickly. And I don't recall, and I was as engrossed in anything you could find, consume back then. We didn't really have the internet at that point in time. So it was every golf magazine you could find. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, the, the, uh, the thought of the day was the, the woods are full of people that hit the ball a long way and, and you don't <laughs> yeah. need to try and get long. And, and today it's just the opposite. Like yeah. people are hearing just the opposite back then. You know, I wasn't the longest guy out there, but I could get it out there pretty decent. But I can't tell you how many people told me that that, um, you know, that speed is only going to be a detriment. Um, and that is just not what you hear today, because we actually know and understand the game a whole lot better than we, we did back then. But um, I know you guys were way into it back in, in those days. I don't really remember programs people teaching this stuff in the 90s i don't no, remember this it stuff specifically it was, it was restrictive teaching it was it was calming down movements it was about precision it was about accuracy it totally wasn't about distance in any way um it has completely changed i think the biggest thing that you mentioned there that has changed it's the measuring it's the fact that we can measure now that quantifies what is better or worse and then that 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 those numbers then reflect where people are improving and winning. And that's, that's the biggest thing. Cause before that it was so opinion based. And what I think is really interesting is you say, you said, I think just then, um, you know, we now know that it does help and it's an advantage. Well, I think there's still plenty of people who don't know and who don't believe it is and still think that the trees is full of long hitters. Uh, I think there will be still for a while. They're definitely less, but there are still plenty of voices out there who are who are saying that. Uh, I wouldn't say it, it, it's a foregone conclusion as we stand now today for, I would say, the minds that maybe I've got more respect for in the golf industry. But there's plenty of big voices out there saying that it's not. It is still a problem and that it is. Well, distance is a problem for everyone, as someone uh, said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. One thing that just popped in my head as you were saying there, though, and that's what I feel like with decade, I, you know, I catch a lot of grief that it's common sense and it is once you see it and understand it and, and accept it. But what you were just saying there is taking the subconscious or the intuitive and making it, this is a fact. I am saying these words out loud. You cannot unhear them. Distance is better. As opposed to back then, it was like, yeah, I think that hitting it longer is probably better, but you yeah. know, we don't really know exactly how much. I literally just pulled up Bryson's. He's gaining 1.184 off the tee this season. Like he's starting the tournament almost five shots clear of the, at yeah. the, the field average. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there is no other stat. Like, yes, obviously greens or, or approach shots and putting like, you know, in theory, this, the guy who's leading putting is starting off gaining whatever his strokes gain putting averages times four, but 
you're just you're not you're not guaranteed to show up and putt it good and this is where it gets really it gets really murky because there is standard deviations of both categories like and i get all that but his distance is never going to just not show up yeah how far (laughs) do you hit a seven i used to say how far do people how far do you hit a seven iron they'd tell me and i'd say how many putts you gonna have today no idea yeah, exactly, because that just fluctuates and you have no real control of it, but you'll distance how far you're going to hit that 7-9 today. It's going to be that distance. Then you'll work wind and slope and all the rest of it in, but it it just is. It's there from the beginning. Um, it's Federer knowing that he's going to hit two aces per game or whatever his ace rate is. Uh, you're just going to bank on those aces coming in, aren't you? You're, you're, it's like, just, you're just, it's money in the bank. It's aces in the bank. It's, I yeah, mean, it, 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 at 132.89 in club head speed, even going back to guys like DJ and Rory that bomb it, and they've always been in that 120, maybe 123 type range. That's 10 miles an hour of extra club head speed. Even if you say he's whiffing it because he's swinging so fast and he's only getting a 1.43 or four smash factor on average, it's literally 15 miles an hour of ball speed, which is literally 30 plus yards. Like, it's just unreal how far he's hitting it past everyone. We we actually, on number 10 at Craig Ranch this last week, he carried it 368. And I... I went because I, a buddy of mine wasn't really understanding that. My old home course bent tree, number 10, is 340 yards. And I drew out on the satellite a 368-yard line. I'm like, he's airmailing the green onto yeah. 13T. Yeah. I suggest everybody go to whatever hole they know at their home course and get in Google Chrome and just type up the map and go see how far 368 yards is on one of your, your holes so you can put it into some sort of terms for yourself because it's just mind boggling when you see how far he's hitting it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go, Lou. So it's, it's a must for everyone, Lou. Lou is the poster boy. You are the go faster poster boy of the hack it out golf podcast. Lou. I am. We need to do a long drive competition at some point. No, see, I... Only, no, I don't think we need to do that. Oh well, yeah, I... we do. What I would rather see is a is a strokes gained competition. Ah, I don't stand a chance against you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have a twenty five yard fairway for all we we have. We set a fairway. Let's say it's thirty yard wide or forty yard wide, and you we all got to hit ten shots. Strokes gain them. Who gets the most strokes gained? That's what we should play. May, yeah, and because um, if you're just gonna go like a crazy in your garage in one ninety ball speeds, I, I'm not playing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you have to putt left-handed when we play too. That's yeah, yeah, role. I can do that. That's not a problem. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. One ninety ball speed from Lou Stagner. What's your ball speed? Do you even know it? Is it something you've had measured? Is it something you think about? Let us know in the comments down below as well. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next great episode. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll speak to you soon.